Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So we're in a series called Hearts United. And words are really powerful, aren't they? Words are a powerful thing. I wanted to share with you a story uh, that happened to Sarah and I years ago. In fact, it was September 12th, September 12th, 2001. So the world was in flux. Uh, A week earlier, Sarah and I with a group of friends decided to take a road trip out west and hang out in Wyoming and South Dakota and Colorado. So we were away when the world changed. Sarah and I were lost in the mountains as the world was changing. And we came back into um, some town on the way back and people were different. It just felt it felt different, um, and we read the newspaper and found out what had happened the, the day before. And so when we were on our way back, we stopped in Rocky Mountain National Park, and we stayed in Estes Park in this beautiful youth hostel that YMCA has there, if any of you have ever been there. Um, and we stayed there, and people were glued to the television set and watching these horrific events play out. And Sarah and I woke up early that morning, and we went to do our devotions on this beautiful, um, this beautiful deck that overlooked the Rocky Mountains and these Adirondack rocking chairs, and we're just kind of hanging out there, and we're reading, and we're worshiping and praying together for the nation. And all of, this, all of a sudden, this old kind of scraggly guy walks up the steps, and he walks over and sits down next to Sarah and I. And as he sits down, he starts singing John Denver songs. No joke, this is a true story. He starts singing John Denver songs really annoyingly, rather awkwardly. And uh, Sarah and I are like, all right, okay. And then uh, he points over and, and he says, I see, you got, I see you got Bibles there. And Sarah replies, you know, rather innocently in her Sarah kind of way. She goes, oh, you're a Christian too? We're Christians. Are you a Christian? And he doesn't reply. And he continues to sing, and uh, this continues for a little bit. And then he starts reciting uh, the Lord's Prayer rather mockingly. And then he turns to us and starts to dish this out to us. And he says, you two are, you're too young. You'll never be able to know God. And I'm leaving out the swear words. You'll never be able to know God. Who do you think you are? You're young. You'll you'll never be able to lead people to God. Who do you think you are like that? And as he's doing this, I felt like the Holy Spirit was um, speaking to me and refuting some of the lies that were being spoken over Sarah and I. So finally, I had had enough. Sarah was visibly uncomfortable at this point in time. And I looked over and I looked him in the eye and it was clear there's no one, there's no one home. And I just gently said to him in authority, I said, in the name of Jesus, you have to leave now. And he sighed like that. And then he got up out of his chair and he walked away. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. If you claim Jesus as Lord, you carry the Holy Spirit in you. Your words are powerful. Some of you have felt the power of negative words spoken over your life sometimes by the lips of someone close to you. Hurtful words. We've all felt the power of healing and positive words spoken over us. A parent or a teacher or a boss, someone 
You don't know a stranger speaks kindness to you and over you. Those words can be a memorial in your life that you can always revisit through the course of your journey. I know God loves me. I know God loves me because someone took the time and had the courage to speak truth over me in just the right moment. Positive, encouraging words can fuel us. They can bring life to our souls for us to step into who we're meant to be. Encouraging words can be transformative in our lives. It's funny, but people can do good things for you. They can serve you in all sorts of ways, in love and in kindness. But if they don't say it, if they don't say those three little words, I love you, then all of those acts of kindness and love don't mean a thing. Some things you have to get said. Some things need to be said. Likewise, actions are powerful too, aren't they? People can say that they love you to the cows come home. People can speak the language of blessing over you. But if they don't show it in their actions, it makes the words seem empty. Our hearts begin to cry. You, you say you love me, but you don't show it. Put your money where your mouth is. Someone going out of their way to care for you is such a powerful thing because we all know how self-centered each one of us really are. When someone shows you kindness, that's the inbreaking of the kingdom of God to you. Proclamation and demonstration work together in tandem in the kingdom of God. In the book of James, we read this, James 2, 18 through 26. This is the message version I love this. This is Eugene Peterson's version. He says this, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. And here it is. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand and glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God? But then you, I observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful. That's great. Demons do that. But what good does it do, but what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? In the kingdom, it's speak and show, show and tell, works and faith. We're going to look at Acts 3 and 4 together. If you wanted to turn or you wanted to swipe there with me, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Hopefully Sharon will forgive me. She does such a lovely job printing the fill-in-the-blank church sheets, doesn't she? So good, Sharon. Faithful every every week. I forgot to add the Acts Acts 3 section, so you want to do a little page-flipping exercise there as we turn back and forth, but mainly we'll be in Acts 4, 8 through 15, and 27 through 31, and then we'll bounce back to Acts 3. The early church went about this really well, works and speaking. My hope is that we could receive this morning, we could come away living as a community, hearts united in both proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom of God. This is who we are at Vineyard Cleveland. We're an outward-focused church who's bringing life to the city in our words and in the way we live towards others. And in Acts 4.29, there's this powerful prayer, and it says this, So now, Master, look 
on their threats. Now, God, look on their threats and grant that we, your servants, may speak your word, speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing so that signs and wonders may come about through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I pray this for us as a community. This will become a reality. Speaking and acting, proclaiming and demonstrating the rule and reign of Jesus among us. So Acts 4, 8 through 15, here we go. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage Interesting, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. The context of the passage is that Peter and John, in chapter 3, just a chapter before, had been strolling through Jerusalem, and they come across the temple gate where this guy sits and begs for money every day. He's lame. And they demonstrate, they execute the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus, and the man, his feet and his ankles become sturdy, and he walks. He walks away. And so now they're arrested, they're thrown in jail. Because this has caused a stir again among the religious leaders. And they're saying, what's going on here? What's happening here? Why, why, are, you speak, why are you causing all this trouble? Throw them in jail. And so they're standing before these religious leaders and they speak boldly. There's something about the way that they speak. The early church's speech was marked by this. The early church was marked. This was, a, this was a signature of the early church of Jesus. Boldness of speech. What does that mean? In verse 13, we read, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. Now, the last time I checked, the things that you hear are auditory, you hear speaking, you don't see speaking. Am I right? Well, you, I mean, I can see your lips moving, but you hear speaking, you don't see speaking. So Luke says that they saw the courage, or they saw the boldness in other versions of Peter and John. We know that bold speech characterized the early church. What does this mean? The Greek word is parousia, parousia. Peter and John were speaking with confidence. It means to speak with confidence or with freedom. There was freedom in the way that they delivered the speech. It was speech that the religious leaders could see. 
The etymology in our language for the word boldness, do you know what it is? When people, when people first started to use this word boldness, what they meant, it's like, um, are you familiar with the words Archibald, Leopold? These are all names that were given in the old days to young boys. Their fathers wanted them to be really strong, bold, Archibald, Leopold, right? The root word means to swell, to swell or to grow, or to bloom, to thrive. These are words that are swelling, like, uh, like an angry stormy sea. Words, that's, what, that's how they're speaking. They're using boldness of speech that's swelling and thriving and growing. Peter and John and the rest of the early church spoke in a way that held people, that caused people to remember the words long after they were spoken. This is boldness of speech. It was less about the words that they were saying and more about the way in which they were speaking them. And they weren't using rhetorical devices, you know, tugging on people's heartstrings to to gain an emotional response from people. Boldness of speech doesn't rely on that. Boldness of speech is speech that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness of speech is speech that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness of speech is packed with the presence of Jesus. It enables people to see, to grasp, to behold Jesus' presence. Boldness of speech doesn't mean extroverted either. How many, how many of you that's good news to you this morning? Boldness of speech does not mean extroverted. It's not contained to a personality type. But what boldness of speech does mean is speaking and living in a way that's free of fear. And extroverts and introverts can both do that. There's no timidity in bold speaking or bold living. There's a courage about the way that Peter and John are speaking to the folks who have just locked them up in jail. Boldness of speech has nothing to do with volume either. And I can hear you saying, that's funny, Eben. We hear you preach about Jesus every Sunday. But boldness of speech has nothing to do with volume. Rather, it has everything to do with courage. Boldness of speech can come with a whisper or with a shout. Boldness of speech is not dependent on volume. It's the way that they were speaking that caused others to take notice. Verse 13 says that the authorities were astonished because these were unschooled, ordinary men. It's really interesting to note the Greek word or phrase for unschooled, ordinary men is really akin to the English word idiots. These religious leaders are offended and astonished Who are these idiots speaking so boldly about Jesus? And why can we we not refute what they're speaking? These men are idiots, is what they're saying about the disciples, about Peter and John. There's something recognizable about the way that they spoke. There's an attractive freedom about the way that they spoke. Look at how the rulers took note. They took note that they had been with Jesus. What does this mean, that they took note that they had been with Jesus? 
It means that the authorities said after Peter and John spoke, as they con- can you picture them conferring together? Wait a minute. What, what is this type of speech? Where, where, do, where do I know this type of speech from? I know this from some. Wait, I rem- these guys were with Jesus. That's the way that Jesus spoke. There's something uniquely defining about the way that the disciples spoke that connected them directly with the person of Jesus so that others define them by it. I know where that comes from. That's coming from Jesus. They could, by the way that the disciples were speaking, the authorities, the ruling authorities, could trace it back to its origin. That comes from Jesus. I'd know that type of speech anywhere. That's the way that Jesus spoke. Is this how others experience you after you've had a conversation together like they've just encountered Jesus? You know, it's like the the James Taylor song. Any James Taylor fans out there? You know what song I'm talking about? And you can tell, and you can tell if I'm well. She's been with me now. There's something about the presence of Jesus. You can tell if I'm well that she's been that I've been hanging out with Jesus. Listen. When you've been with Jesus, when you develop intimacy with Jesus, he enters into every area of your life, and that includes the way you talk. And I'm not talking about Christianese, you know, talking in a way that makes it sound like you're from another planet when you speak to other people. But it's the way that you talk, the way that you care for others with your words, it's courageous, it's contagious, it's speech that's peppered with the Holy Spirit, it's speech that's filled and overflowing with the presence of Jesus. And most times, boldness of speech comes from people who are picked last. The least likely candidate for the task is who God chooses. Think about David and Goliath. If you, feel, if you don't feel like a bold person, good news. You may, you may be on deck to deliver words of encouragement and blessing boldly to others. Your, your words become, like the scriptures say, like golden apples in settings of silver. As you begin to develop intimacy with Jesus, as you're with Jesus, your words become salve. They become balm to other people's lives and hurts and losses. They're like golden apples setting in settings of silver on the table. They just belong. They just set in people's hearts. That's speaking boldly. It's got nothing to do with gender. It's got nothing to do with volume. It's got nothing to do with social status. That's what it means to speak boldly. So, may I speak freely? May I speak boldly with you? What does it mean for us then? Vineyard Cleveland, what does it mean for us? It means that we're meant to be a people who speak the language of blessing over people's lives. The language of blessing. There's so much power in speaking the language of blessing. In fact, if you claim 
Jesus as Lord, if Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is master, if, he, if he's become master of your life, speaking the language of blessing is your native tongue. The language of complaint does not belong on royal lips. Proverbs tell us that there's power in the tongue. There's power of life and death in the tongue. Look at in verse 12 how Peter boldly puts it. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation belongs to Jesus alone. And when we speak that, we're speaking the language of blessing and who that blessing comes from. Remember, this is the same Peter who said to Jesus, Master, he says, where else can we go? Where else, where else am I going to find it? Where else can I go? You're the one who's got the words of life of the coming age. Jesus alone has the words of life. Jesus alone speaks the language of blessing. And as we treasure and as we worship him, as we treasure him, like Gollum treasured the precious, as we, tre as we treasure and worship Jesus in our hearts, he begins to transform us. He begins to share his words with us, his thoughts with us. Aren't you tired of thinking your own recycled thoughts? Isn't it time for some fresh thoughts in your head? As we begin to develop intimacy with Jesus, he speaks and shares his thoughts with us, through us, over us, through us, to other people. When we're in conversation with others, there should be like this presence thing that's unfolding when you speak with others where the other person walks away and they they're either thinking or they say it aloud to you I don't I don't know what it is about you there's something different about you every every time that we meet I walk away feeling lighter I feel better after we talk I don't know what it is Language of blessing. And then for us to say his name. Say his name. His name is Jesus. Specifically, it's Jesus is his name. It's not... You speak the language of blessing not because you're a really good person who keeps all the rules and you're just there for people. That's religion. You speak the language of blessing because you belong to Jesus. Say his name, Jesus. Jesus living in our words. Jesus speaking freely through us. Jesus confidence in us. Jesus boldness in us. When we bless others, we live from the boldness of the Holy Spirit. In verse 9, Luke writes that Peter was filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. When God's presence fills us, it becomes like second nature to call out the good in other people. When we speak filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot help be a source of encouragement to others who are in hard times. We're called as a community, Vineyard Cleveland, to speak the language of blessing to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers in such a way that it points them to Jesus. They know where that speech comes from. I'd know that, I'd know that tongue anywhere. That's Jesus speak. 
That's Jesus' talk. That's stories we begin to pop up, testifying to this. My marriage was on the rocks, and then someone from Vineyard Cleveland took the time to speak encouragement to me to hang in there, to not give up. Or I felt like I was drowning in depression, and someone from Vineyard Cleveland came along and said, everything's going to be all right. And that got me through the worst depression of my life. That's all it is, friends. That's it. It's just us saying yes to the Holy Spirit and speaking encouragement in other people's lives in Jesus' name. That's all it takes. Simply saying to someone, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Or it's, it's going to be all right. Those little words can change the trajectory of someone else's life. You don't know what that other person is going through in their heart. You can't, you can't look in there. You can't see. And you become, you be, you become the answer to prayer, to, uh, to other people's prayers, as you simply say, it's going to be all right. You don't, have, you don't have to have some deep theological truth about Jesus. You just have to carry him so that he's burning in your heart. And when he's burning in your heart, that fire gets out. And you just say, it's going to be all right. You don't even have to shout it like I do. You can say, it's going to be all right. And then they look in your eyes and they see what is going on. When they speak, I'm healed. When they speak, I feel light. Don't give up. It's going to be all right. Counseling 101. You don't have to have a master's in counseling. If you carry Jesus, you're equipped. Who's equipped to say it's going to be all right to someone else? It's going to be all right. In fact, let's say it. It's going to be all right. Here we are. Are we past September 23rd? And the sun came up. Come on. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. If proclamation is speaking the goodness of God, the language of blessing, then demonstration of the gospel is showing the goodness of God. Showing the goodness of God. Peter and John were arrested because of what happened in chapter 3. Let's read it together. This is chapter 3, verse 3. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every stinking day of his life to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as John did. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said in verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. Look what he did. Walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter understood what the church today doesn't understand. We don't get it. Peter understood that what he was given to him from Jesus was meant to be given away to others. Peter knew that the kingdom of God needed to be shown in order to be received. He knew that what he possessed was for sharing. 
Peter demonstrated what he carried, and as a result, a man was healed. A man for all of his life was lame. But once he encountered the Holy Spirit, everything changed for that man. When we receive from Jesus, we receive something more valuable than silver or gold. When we receive from Jesus, we receive from him his very life. And not simply life for us. Jesus says life abundant, life overflowing. When you take me in, when you make me master, Jesus says, you will have not just life, but life bubbling up, life bubbling over, overflowing. And Jesus' life overflowing from us is overflowing because it's meant to be experienced by others. You're not meant to hide the love of Jesus away, the life of Jesus away. The demonstration of the kingdom of God should be a normal occurrence in our lives. Will it always look like a lame man all of a sudden being instantaneously healed? No. But one thing is sure. If you get, you got to give. If you get, you got to give. If you have, you're meant to share. And you'll only receive more once you're emptied. That's the way it works in the kingdom. You only get more once you empty. That's the way it is. In the kingdom, you're only allowed to keep in proclamation what you share in demonstration. You say that one again. In the kingdom, you're only allowed to keep in proclamation what you share in demonstration. Meaning, if you want other people's kingdom stories, you can have them. Go online. There are a million podcasts. Go visit, go visit Bethel Redding. You'll hear some amazing prophetic nuggets. Go, you know, any thousands of podcasts that are out there. If you want other people's stories of how God used them to demonstrate the kingdom of God, you can get it. It's bam. Just like fancy, you know, <laughs> fancy worship slides and lights and cameras in the church. You can get BAM anywhere. You can buy BAM anywhere. If you want other people's stories about how God used them and demonstration, you can get those. But if you want your own stories, you can only keep in proclamation what you share in demonstration. Peter possessed the kingdom of God by giving it away. You give away what you don't have in the kingdom. You give away what you don't naturally possess in the kingdom. What I do have, I give. In the name of Jesus, walk, Peter said. And you can be sure that the result of your obedience, the result of you saying yes to Jesus, just saying everything's going to be all right to somebody else. Let's start there will result in worship. Other people will worship God because of the encouragement that you gave them, because you took time to pray for them. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wherever Jesus' rule and reign comes, worship is always the result. And the places where the kingdom of God has come will be shaken. I want to see cities shaken with the presence of Jesus. 
filled and overflowing with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because when we say yes to Jesus, we show the world this is what God looks like. This is what the kingdom of God really looks like. This is who the Father really is. If you want to know who the Father is, you don't need to look any further than the person of Jesus. You want to know if God, the Father, cares about the poor, how did Jesus treat the poor? You want to know how God cares about sickness and disease? How did Jesus treat sickness and disease? You want to know if God cares for children? How did Jesus treat children? Jesus is a spitting image of the Father. God cares for you. We say, when we demonstrate the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus, we say to a hurting and confused world that God loves you and you're still worth saving. Many times we put the phrase kingdom of God in this hazy philosophical realm where it doesn't mean anything. It's just sort of like religious speak. It's church speak. But let me tell you, the kingdom of God is a greater reality than what you or I could see, touch, taste, or feel. That's what's really going on right now. And we're in the middle of a battle. That's what I read. It's more real. The kingdom of God is more real than what we experience with our eyes, our hands, and our mouths. That's what we mean when we say the kingdom of God in the vineyard. We mean the rule and reign of Jesus expressed anywhere Jesus' hand touches. You can say that the kingdom of God has come to that place. So for instance, if you stretch out your hand and you pray for a coworker and their headache goes away, the kingdom of God has come to them. If you help a little old lady across the street with her groceries, the kingdom of God has come to them, to her. I don't know who's helping little old ladies across the street with their groceries, but if you do that, that's the kingdom of God. If you change a poopy diaper, if you stay up all night beside the hospital bed of a loved one, If you pay for the car behind you in the Starbucks line, indeed, the kingdom of God has come. Yes, if you decide to buy your pastor from Mitchell's ice cream a peanut butter cup and a delicious waffle cone, the kingdom of God has definitely come to me. And to you, because you'd get to see that huge smile on my face when I eat the ice cream. (laughs) This is the early church's prayer. Verse 27 in chapter 4. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Check it. Here's their prayer. Verse 29. Now, Lord... Yep, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the early church's prayer, and this is our prayer as a church. 
if we are living, if we are alive for anything, let it be this. Let, let it be that we would speak boldly about what and who we have seen and heard. If we're alive for any purpose, let it be so a hurting world would receive healing through our hearts and our hands in the name of Jesus. Then when we stretch out our hands, it would be as the scriptures say, the Lord stretching out his hand through ours. That we wouldn't be just about ministry activity at Vineyard Cleveland, but we'd be about spiritual authority in the city. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' authority. You carry his name. His name. Your heart. This is what we long for as a church. And I'll close with this. That we would be a people bringing life. Speaking life. Overflowing with life. That the effervescence of the Holy Spirit would permeate everything that we put our hands and hearts to. That life, his life would spill out of us in a way that causes the city to light up with love of Jesus. It's his name. It's his life at work in us. What is it about that name? When we say it specifically, that the religious leaders, they threatened the disciples. They said, don't ever use it again. Stop using that name. It's not God or some mystical force like from Star Wars. It's specific. It's the Jesus of history. It's Jesus from Nazareth. What is it about the name that's a dangerous name? It's so dangerous that authorities banned it. You can't talk in that name anymore. There's so many other names given under heaven. Think of all the names that have given, been given to babies. Think of all of the names that have been given to babies. There's like 7 billion people on the planet right now. Right now. Think of all the names of babies that have been given under heaven. But what is it about that name that makes our hearts burn? The name of Jesus. Herod heard his name spoken out loud and sent folks to kill him. To blot out the name of Jesus. Pilate condemned the name. He saw fit to judge the name, to crucify the name of Jesus, to be rid of him. What is it about that name? No other name has inspired so many songs, so many poems, so many prayers. Millions of choruses have been dedicated to that name. What is it about that name, the name that holds all mercy within its letters? What is it about that name that forgives the debts of all sin, past, present, and future? What is it about the name of Jesus that heals the sick, that cleanses lepers, that delivers the captives? Jesus, the name that children love to say. The name without a number of days attached to it. The name that supplies strength to the weak and food to the hungry. The name of Jesus. The name we can't outrun. The name we can't quit thinking about. The name we can't get out of our heads. The name we can't get off of our hands. The name that death couldn't stop or destroy. The name that destroyed the power of the grave and death itself. All authority is wrapped up in one single solitary name under heaven. And the only name that's going to be honored beyond time's measurement. When the measurement of time ceases to exist, there'll be one name that stands. There's something about that name. There's something about the name of Jesus. Like the old song sings, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something 
about that name. Master, Savior, Lord, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all of heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will pass away. But there's just something about that name. There's something about that name. There's something about the name of Jesus. Not some made-up version. Not some created version of the name of Jesus. But the real Jesus of history. The Jesus who is all of these things. All of these things and more wants to come and break into our lives. That we would boldly speak and boldly demonstrate the resurrected life to a hurting world.